Man, today, you know, I, I've really been, I've wrestled with where to go today. I mean, I mean the typical script, <laughs> if, if I could even be so crass as that, the typical script on an offering is to, like offering Sunday is to teach people about giving and tithing and have a sort of a deep theological and exegetical message about that. We've done that in years past. Um, but I just sense Jesus wanting to just, uh, challenging me not to do that, for one, <laughs> and to trust him fully with this offering, just the way we have with our offering last week. Um, but I just feel like he, he wants to just make it clear to us today that you and I are, we're living in the reality of our faith. The joy that we have in giving, the joy that we have in blessing is the living reality of faith expressing itself in action. Like that, that joy, that wonder, that awe that you felt uh, with Connor and Sarah and for them and as a church, this is the reality of faith. It's not uh, uh, just an ethereal concept. It's not just a proposition or a doctrine or a theology. A lot of you have great doctrine when it comes to faith, but very little practice and very little experience. We are walking in the experience of lived out faith. And God's invitation to us is to make this kind of thing normative in our life. With my boys, with Eli and Simon, they go to school at, in Calvary, at, in St. Catharines, and so we have got about a 20, 25 minute drive on the way to school. And a number of months ago, uh, I just had the idea that instead of listening to 680 News or whatever on the way to school, we would listen to books. I didn't know if they would like that or not, but I thought I'd try it. And, and specifically, we've been listening to Christian biographies. The first one we listened to was of a missionary named Bruce Olson, who's written a book called Bruchko, and it's the story of his life as he's given his life uh, back in the 60s to an unreached tribal group in the jungles of Colombia. And the book is a, a thrilling adventure of faith, of great hardship, but faith. And we finished that book and the kids were like, let's read another one. And so we're working our way through a biography on Brother Andrew right now, who was a Bible smuggler behind the Iron Curtain in the 50s, a Dutch missionary that didn't come from a Christian family necessarily, and his stories of trusting God, of faith, of what happens when we actually put substance to what we say we believe is riveting, it's invigorating to hear the stories of what God can do with small little amounts of obedience. Just little ones, not big ones. 
And I just want to make it clear for all of us here that today is a living example of small acts of faith on your part that together God uses and does things we could never do apart from each other. That's why we need the body together. As we have been saying this series, and I'm totally forgetting about our Advent reading. I'm looking at you, Ange, and like, I'm just thinking, oh, Matt and Ange are really nice, great people as I'm talking, which may be why I'm not making sense right now. Uh, and I'm just looking and then I'm like, oh, Ange is supposed to be up here right now. Why are you talking, Andrew? All right, so Ange, come on up. This is the most awkward Advent transition on the face of the earth. <laughs> All right, and I was looking at these Advent cards we gave you and going, whoa, okay. So this is Ange. This is like an addendum to the message. <laughs> Sorry, but I know you can handle it. You're a pro at this kind of stuff. So introduce yourselves, and then we're going to have an Advent reading, which I, like they are the scriptures for today anyway. So that way I don't have to reread them. Perfect. Is this, okay, it's working. Perfect. So I'm Angela. If you don't know me, I actually do the scheduling for kids ministry and I help out downstairs, which is super fun. So Andrew asked if I could do the Advent reading. So here we go. So the first one's from Hebrews 12, verse 2. And it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of, the, of honor beside God's throne. And then the next verse is from Revelation 4, and it's verse 1. And it is, says, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And then the next one. So the next one is Revelation 5, and it's 1 through 5. And it's, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Amazing. Thank you. Did so well. What a horrible setup I gave you. All right. It's like, you know, as a parent, when you just set your kids up to totally bomb something, that was that. But you did well. Thank you. Um, and here's my 30-second message in a nutshell related to those. We're talking about um, revelation in this series. That's the word that we believe God has given us for the life of our church in 2022, the word revelation. And that comes for us from the Greek word apocalypsos. And like I've mentioned before, that word apocalypse doesn't mean looming disaster. It actually means an unveiling, a pulling back of the curtain. Apocalypse means a revealing of something that was there and is there, but that cannot be presently seen. 
What we need more than anything in our lives is an apocalypse, a revelation of the reality of Jesus in the midst of everything we're walking through. And we've talked about that in the weeks past. But as we land on having a revelation of joy today, it just, it, it occurred to me, uh, Hebrews 12 too, for the joy set before him, Jesus was able to see what was ahead. It was his hope for what was coming that strengthened him to endure the trial and the storm of the day. There's so many ways we could go with this. And one of them, I love teaching on heaven because I feel like we have an anemic, limp view, theology of heaven. We need to understand the visceral reality that we are not gonna be disembodied spirits floating in the vapors of the cosmos. Heaven is here, and it's you, and it's me living in the kingdom fullness and purpose of God on a real physical earth, reigning with Christ. Like, we're actually, what we're doing today, according to scripture, is not temporal. We're sowing seeds for eternity. And scripture's very clear that what we do now echoes and ripples through eternity. The decisions that you and I make to trust and follow Jesus now, even when they're irrational, even when they don't make sense, even when they don't line up to our grid of what is acceptable, uh, acceptable and logical, when we trust him and walk in faith, we sow seeds for eternity. I am living my eternal life now. I am a ceaseless, unending, eternal being, and so are you. That's what scripture says. You're a ceaseless, unending, eternal being. And God's invitation to you is would you throw yourself in trust and in faith into my kingdom assignment for you, trusting that I know what you don't know, that I know the why and the where and the how and the what. I know those things. What I'm inviting you to is to trust me and follow me and begin to sow seeds that will actually ripple through eternity. You know, when Jesus is talking about heaven and he's using parables to talk about heaven, he correlates two things. Our stewardship with our resources now equals authority and increased responsibility then. Like the, the fruit of what we do in trusting him now will result on the real earth as real people in measures of authority and responsibility and ruling and reigning. To him who is given little, much is required now. But you're not doing it just to satisfy something for the moment. You're establishing in the kingdom of God your ability and God's ability to entrust you with more and more and more as it relates to eternity. As you walk this earth with Jesus, with each other, under his kingdom rule, what would you prefer for him to say, you know what, you were so faithful to me with the little I gave you 
in the time that you had on the earth that I'm gonna entrust you to lead and to govern on my behalf more. I've sensed in my own life, um, God saying, and I have this desire, God, I wanna be trustworthy now so that I can carry greater responsibility for you in the kingdom that's coming. I wanna carry God, leadership in your kingdom forever. And he's designed you and created you and given you resources and time and energy and talents to be released on the earth now for an eternal purpose. It was the joy that Jesus saw of what was coming that released him in faith in the moment. That's the vision that John got. Not only did he see Jesus in the midst of the churches like we talked about in the first week, but then in chapters four and five, Jesus gives him a revelation of the reality of the kingdom. Like this is the long-term vision, God. I'm on my throne. I'm ruling and I'm inviting you to live into that reality now. And that's what we get to do today but we need a revelation of the joy that pervaded Jesus' life. He wasn't a miserable prophet. He wasn't grumpy and frustrated at the idea of surrender. It brought him joy to lay his life down and surrender it. That's also why we use these word cards. We're gonna just show you a bit of a story about this, but, and I'll explain what we're gonna do, but these cards... This is not the be and the end all of your whole life. This is a way, one mechanism, a way to be intentional about saying, God, what would a word for my life be in this coming year? What is it you wanna do? What do you wanna stir in me and provoke in me? That's why we're gonna do this assignment again together so that you recognize there's something that God is setting before you. That's to come. His invitation to us today is to sow into his kingdom expansion. That's what this offering that we're all going to take and give toward is doing. It's kingdom expansion. Over the years with this offering, we've been able to renovate in our building. Now sort of that whole middle section down and up. Is, is done and we've never had to ask for an extra penny for it. We've, we've always been able to trust God with it. We've been able to do major repairs on the church building, but we have a way bigger vision than even just this current building and space. We believe God has a kingdom assignment for us in Niagara. I'm not gonna tell you all about it now, but as we give today, we're releasing into the atmosphere and on this earth the resources and availability to respond. When God calls us to go, we can go. And when he calls us to sow, we can sow. And so that's what this offering is all about, is for us to give beyond what we normally give so that we can go further than we normally go. This is so that we can do the unusual things of the kingdom the things that we have the privilege of being able to do because we're trusting God together with our resources. I wanna introduce you on video to Ruth. Um, She's got an amazing story about this word card from last year. After that, I'll come and I'll give instructions 
for how we're going to navigate the giving at the end of our service here. My husband and I and our daughter Georgia have been coming to Mountain Park for two years. So last December, it was the Sunday where Andrew asks us to pray in that moment that God would give us a word for our year. And so, and he always really is emphatic that we pray in that moment that God would give us a word that moment, that day, so we can write it down on the card that that they give us. And so I remember feeling like, okay, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready for a word from you. And so I'm listening and I feel like God says the word fruit. And of course, my first reaction is, there's no way that my word could be fruit for the year. And so I'm, I'm kind of questioning that. And, and Andrew, I remember he's talking and he's saying, you know, if you're not sure, like keep asking God, like, is that my word? Or do you have another word for me? So I'm asking and it's still fruit. And then I remember I was closing my eyes and I felt like I almost saw my word that I had written, that I had yet to write out. And in brackets, I see full. So then I think fruitful, okay, that, that is a little bit better than just fruit. So I feel like this is my word for the year. So I, I still have my card and I wrote down fruitful with brackets around full. After that Sunday, when God gives you a word, you definitely feel like, okay, God, I'm ready to see what's gonna happen with this word. And it was maybe a couple weeks later, it was the beginning of January, and I remember I had a dream about a friend of mine, and in the dream I, I had told her that I felt their family was gonna grow this year. And we weren't talking really closely, we weren't really close friends, I hadn't really been in touch with her for a while, and but I felt like God said, Ruth, you need to you need to tell her this. And it's always a little intimidating when you feel like, I thought this word was for me, fruitful, and now I have this dream about this friend and I don't really know where she's at in life and it's pretty heavy to take that to someone and you're just hoping in faith that they receive it and that they want it. And so I sent her a message and said, I, I feel like, this is for you and I had this dream and and I want you to know I felt like the word that God gave me this year was fruitful and that maybe it's not just for me maybe it's for other people and she received that and and told me that um, her and her husband had wanted to grow their family for a couple years and and had been struggling and that she received that word and a month later, I get a message from her saying, well, the miracle happened and we're expecting. So then after that experience in January, it was like God just kept showing things to me that were connected to this word. And so my husband, we have a family business, and I remember feeling like, what is this year gonna look like because of COVID, that the repercussions of that, and the business has just flourished and there was nothing short of fruitfulness in his business. Uh, I teach international students and so I remember being told that I may not have students to teach this coming year because of restrictions and it's been the opposite. I've had students arrive frequently and 
and being able to be be with them and see their stories and even the surprise that they have that they were able to come I feel like that was fruitfulness in their lives not just in my own life and the family at our church um, Connor and Sarah and their daughter Georgia so my daughter's name is also Georgia and so I remember when I first heard their story the name Georgia means farmer or tiller of the soil which well, I remember when we named our daughter Georgia, it felt kind of strange to have that meaning as well. But then when their family came up and they shared and I thought about my word, it felt like it was a connection to their family that their daughter would be fruitful, that she, her name, uh, farmer, tiller of the soil, that she would bear fruit, that she will be a life that um, bears much fruit. And so I just felt a connection with my word and to that family specifically. And then really the most unexpected part of this year and, and this word was finding out that my husband and I are expecting after trying for many years to get pregnant with our daughter Georgia. We went through in vitro with her and we really didn't know what was to come with growing our family but knew that we wanted that and we wanted that fruitfulness in our family. and finding out in August that we were pregnant and that really blew me away when I thought about how my word fruitful was something I really didn't lean into when it came to myself and our journey with wanting to grow our family it was always in the background but I really didn't feel like what God said at the beginning of the year with fruitful was going to mean that we were going to have another baby and so when I found out I was pregnant, it was, it was another surprise that God does fulfill the things that He has for us and that when we look in other places, that it's not just about us, that the word that God may give you, you may think that it doesn't connect to your life, but maybe it's for the other people that you need to to talk to or you need to go out and, and share and, and to be bold with the word that God gives you because maybe it's not always for you. Maybe it is. And for my husband and I, I'm so grateful that our word fruitful is related to our family and to growing our family. And, and ultimately, I never would have imagined that that's where this word would have taken us this year. And I'm, I'm so thankful that God had that for us. But I really feel like it's also about other people and that when God gives you a word and when you really press into him, that you will see it in other people's lives when you start to move and, and you see God moving as well. Today as we're working on listening to God and, and trying to listen to what word he has for you or for your family, I feel like I would just say to you, don't limit what you think God's saying that if it feels like a big word and you don't know how this could possibly be for you, write it down. If it's something as simple as the word fruit that you think that there's no way that my word could be fruit, that seems ridiculous, write it down because God shows up in unexpected ways when you trust him in the things that might seem too big or too small for him to do. What an amazing story again of God's faithfulness.
He wants to be real in your life. It's not just make-believe we're doing here. It's not just spiritual hype class we're doing. He wants to be real in your life. He can change it. He wants to change it. He wants to demonstrate his goodness to you and his faithfulness. He wants to be near you. He wants you to experience the thrill of his raging love for you. And he wants to do it in the little insignificant things that we just blow by every day. Is this the end of the world or the most? No, but it's a small thing for us to say, Jesus, my life is yours. What would a word be for me this year? Here's mine. And I thought it was stupid too last year. Faith, like that's lame. How, how foolish I am. How foolish we are to impose our rationale on the God of the universe, to impose our criteria of what is acceptable, what is logical for us to give, what we would do or wouldn't do, what we demand that he do with our life even. The invitation of scripture is to lay it down and trust that he is good with it. You can trust him with your surrender. So I just wanna invite you, we're gonna step into this offering time. And here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna take a few minutes just to listen to Jesus with relation to this word, but also maybe even your giving today. All that he is asking is that you be faithful and obedient. It could be with little. Or maybe he wants you to actually exercise more faith than you were intending to walking in here today. He just wants you to be faithful. It's not about how much. It's about what you're willing to do in trusting him.